welcome to the Thomas Guide Show. Uh, I'm John Thomas, your host of the Thomas Guide, and I am thrilled to have you guys with us. Uh, boy, this is a first. I've partnered with KFI. If you're watching it live on, on Facebook Live, thank you for doing that on, on, on KFI's page as well as the Thomas Guide's page. Uh, or if you're listening to us via podcast from thomasguideshow.com or, of course, tweet me uh, at the Thomas Guide. Uh, it's my Twitter handle again is at the Thomas Guide. Please, uh, we want to get your feedback. This kind of show is something where we want it to be interactive. Um, but before I get into the nuts and bolts of the show and what it's all about, I would be remiss if I didn't plug what we're here. We're actually this is not my base camp. We're actually on remote at uh, the Pastathon that KFI is promoting. Uh, it is an incredible charity. Uh, please, if you haven't been following KFI all day, uh, go to pastathon.com and give something, give anything. Where they, it's a great charity. They raise, I think they're going to raise over three hundred and something thousand dollars today, which is basically feeding uh, starving children, literally starving kids, all over Orange County in LA. It's a worthy cause. I cut my check earlier today, uh, and I'd highly encourage you to do so. So please donate. Okay. With that said. Uh, the Thomas Guide. This is our first show, and really what we're all about is politics, of course. I'm a political strategist by trade, but it's a general talk show. We're going to talk about news, culture, and basically trying to make sense of the world. And of course, a little bit of CrossFit, because I do like to work out a lot. So we're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk later in the show about naked workouts. Now, I'm not working out naked yet. Maybe our guest, our special guest, will do a naked workout for us uh, if, you, if you beg him. Um, Next week, our base camp will be all set up uh, with a green screen, the whole production team. I get to introduce everybody, uh, but this week, we are on remote. The podcast will be posted immediately after the show and, of course, lives online forever. Uh, you can also watch our Facebook Live. Again, tweet me at the Thomas Guide. Our poll question for today, I want to hear from you guys. Question, there's two questions. First, Romney or, or not Romney for Secretary of State? And second question, Pelosi or not Pelosi. Um, I have a feeling I know which answer is going to be on Pelosi, but I don't know what your answer is going to be on Romney, so please tweet us, uh, Facebook us, and we'll discuss that at the end of the show. All right, real quickly before our special guest, and I'm so excited about our, our special guest, uh, I want to talk about just a couple of the big stories uh, of the week. I know everybody feels like we just had an election hangover, but believe it or not, the candidate, like Donald Trump, now president-elect, is already focused on 2020, and so are the Democrats. And so here, what I'm going to do, because of course I'm a strategist by trade, I'm going to tell you what Donald Trump has to do if he wants to get reelected. I think it's really simple. It's simply, if he can show measurable improvement on the economic front, and I don't mean just, I don't mean just jobs numbers, I mean tangible jobs in those important swing states in the Rust Belt, he gets four more years. It, it literally is that simple. I could almost care less what he did across his administration, but if he delivers jobs, he gets four more years. That's what he should be singularly focused on. And it sounds easy to stay focused on that, but Donald Trump's biggest problem is he's like the, you know, he's the guy who goes, squirrel. And if something is more sizzly, and sexy, he tends to chase those stories. So my advice to him would be stay focused on the jobs message. Uh, we're in, next week, we're going to get more in-depth on his cabinet members. Um, I think what each of those players should do. As it relates to 
Well, the other thing I would say about Trump is he's in a risk zone. I looked back, Barack Obama, when he took office, you have a honeymoon period when you first take office. Barack Obama's favorable numbers with Gallup's tracking poll, Barack Obama was at 58% uh, favorable. Trump, although his favorables are up about 11% since he won the office, he's still in the low 40s. Anytime you're, you're south of 50%, that's a danger territory zone. So that means that the country is not going to cut him as much slack as he ramps up his agenda as they would for Barack Obama. So Donald Trump's got to turn around those numbers stat. I think the carrier move with jobs was really smart, uh, but he needs to do more than just a 1,000 jobs if he wants to turn around those approvals. All right. Uh, what do the Democrats have to do? Um, first of all, they have to refocus on the economic message. Um, I think... Fundamentally, uh, what the Democrats' challenge is, is the core base of the Democratic Party is not for the blue-collar working job, the coal, the coal plant, the steel plant, the car manufacturers. The base of the Democratic Party has shifted left, just like the base of the Republican Party has shifted right on immigration. But the Democratic Party uh, is more, when they talk about jobs, it's about clean jobs, green jobs, solar jobs, wind jobs. The problem is, when you're talking to somebody in the Rust Belt who works for Ford or works for Carrier, they don't want to hear about some futuristic technology that may or may not work 10, 20 years from now. They want to hear about the job at Carrier putting rivets in an air conditioning machine. That's what they want to hear you talk about. And until Democrats start talking in those concrete terms, they're never going to win an economic debate. They're going to try to win on the fairness argument, but I just don't think that's going to stick. So they need to quickly change their act. And I got to tell you, at least my thoughts on Pelosi, look, as a Republican strategist, of course I'm thrilled because I want them to keep marching the same beat they've been marching to. But if you're a Democrat, you ha I would be greatly concerned that not just as Pelosi does not understand the economic message because she's siloed on the West Coast where they're disconnected from the Rust Belt, but the way she structures her leadership team at the House level only is about rewarding seniority. It's not about strategically placing rising stars so they can shine. It's about scratching backs for those who have been there the longest. And that is a problem because they need to put together a farm team. And uh, Pelosi, uh, well, she doesn't, she doesn't believe to, to think that way, and that would be a giant mistake. Okay, uh, last... Last story I want to cover, and then we're going to bring in our special guest because he's uh, been patiently waiting. Um, fake news. Everybody's talking about fake news. And this is something to me that is very, very dangerous um, in two regards. One, fake news is just like it sounds. It's fake, and I do worry about the spreading of misinformation. And so that's a big concern. But a bigger concern to me is the mainstream media and, by extension, the left's focus on calling fake news news they might disagree with. And now they're calling on action plans from Facebook and others to regulate fake news. And my concern is, at what point is opinion fake news and, it, and, and who makes those editorial calls? I'm deeply concerned because if you just look at the giving history of those who own the dot-com companies, they're not Republicans. So where are they going to lean? 
and where the, if, if, if they don't like a particular kind of speech because it doesn't agree with their perspectives, are their algorithms going to censor uh, Republicans from getting their message out? I'm deeply concerned about that. Um, and that's something we're going to have to monitor as time goes on. All right. He's been waiting patiently. Um, many of you know him, uh, but you don't get to see him a lot because he's just behind the airwaves. Um, someone who actually got me started in talk radio, and here we are with our very own podcast. Bill Handel is our special guest. Um, gosh, he's been on the air probably longer than I've been alive. Uh, almost. But, uh, but look, we talk to, when you, if you listen to Bill Handel, uh, he's always analyzing the news. What I want to do today is I want to analyze Bill Handel. I want to talk to Bill about not just how he got started in the, in the business, but really what makes Handel tick. And so this is more of a personal interview. We'll see if we can pull out some more embarrassing stories out of him in this process. But Bill, uh, why don't you come up to the, the, in the podium this way? Can we get Bill a microphone? Oh, we, we've got it up here. Nice. Well, I accept your nomination. <laughs> you want me to teach you how to use the mic? Uh, no, no, it's just, uh, no, this is hilarious. By the way, I'm sitting there, I'm pa he's patiently waiting. My eyes were rolling. You're rolling? Yeah, no, that's okay. Um, no, it, it, <laughs> Not you, so patiently. You, you were born when? 85. Uh, 85? Yeah. As long as, that's right. That's, Did you start in 85? I started in 1985. God, I feel so old. So, all right. Besides the fact that you are old. I am old. Um, tell how, okay, your background, just to get to the, the punchline, your background was you tried to be an attorney. No. Uh, <laughs> right? I was. Okay. An, okay. And I you am, were, and I am an attorney. An attorney you know, okay. I mean, having a practice. Right. Had you a know, full you, practice. You, you, you explored that. You got involved in surrogacy. Right. Parenting work, which was at the, at the time... Groundbreaking. It was. I mean, no, no one's done that before. Right. But how did, from dealing with turkey basters and sperm, take you to being the top morning talker in America? Well, yeah, I mean, thank you for that. Yeah. The morning talker, okay. Well, you sure, are. I'll, no, well, I'll you take, are. No, I'll take that. Right, no, are. I'll own that. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's like anything else. Uh, most of the people in the radio business, and even to some extent television business, fall into it. For example, here you are on your first broadcast, and it's going to grow. I mean, based on the fact that you're going to be part of KFI, and it's going to expand. Yeah. And so how did you get in there when you become large, which you will? Uh, how, how did that happen? Well, I was a strategist. I was interviewed a yeah. bunch of times. Uh, I got to uh, be a guest on KFI, and it worked out, and everybody liked me, and all of a sudden now here you are. Uh, much the same thing. I was uh, a, a lawyer and practicing in the world of third-party reproduction, yeah. surrogate parenting, and it was 1985, the stories exploded because you had surrogate mothers changing their mind, a few other people were in there. I've never had a surrogate mother change her mind, by the way. Probably about 2,400 babies since uh, 1980. That's remarkable. Uh, no, or just really good contracts. Oh, uh, we're really <laughs> just lucky. Uh, but yeah. uh, the, the point is, is that I was interviewed enough times where someone paid attention to me and it was uh, it, much like you. If you're good and you, know, you, you're, you are good at what you do, uh, then people do pay attention. And right. you're good. And you have hair, uh, which I yeah, didn't. Yeah, well, that's why and I'm doing the video component. Yes, and, uh, it's, that <laughs> and that's why helps. you don't. That's correct. That's correct. Radio's <laughs> yeah, for ugly yeah. people. <laughs> and so 
that just started building, and I'll never forget. It was uh, just before my first show. It was a handle show. Yeah. Uh, the uh, program director of a radio station I was working at. In L.A.? In L.A. Yeah. I don't want to mention any names. Yeah. KBC. <laughs> and uh, which has okay. since become uh, KAB irrelevant. Uh, oh, no. Yeah, very gracious, oh, aren't gosh, I? Yeah. yeah. And Doug McIntyre, who I'm up against, Doug, uh, and I think he's enormously talented. He is, he's just yeah. on the wrong radio station. And so... I remember walking down the hall, I had been on a whole bunch of shows, Michael Jackson, not the glove Michael Jackson, but there was a talk show host, very famous talk, talk show host in Los Angeles by the name of Michael Jackson. And I'd been on his show in the overnights, and the program director walked down the hall and simply said, Bill, I've been listening to the interviews that you've done. I probably did a dozen of them, 15 of them. And he said, you know, you're better than half the people I have here. And I go, no, 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 I'm better than all of the people <laughs> and you have humble. here. Yeah. Uh, and more humble. Yeah, so yeah. if I ever write a book... Uh, how to be, how to get into radio, be an insufferable prick. <laughs> oh, wow. I know I can say that because we're on the internet. You can say anything. Yeah, you that's want. true. Yeah. We can say that. So uh, you just fall and you get good at what you do. And uh, it's, uh, unfortunately, a lot of it is luck. A lot of it is being in the right, right place, place, right, right time. time. I mean, you've, you've told me that Rush Limbaugh being in the air on 9 11 was a big moment for you. Uh, yes, being in the air, not then on the air. On the air, in the sky. In the air. And this yeah. is what actually, be, uh, the show became number one uh, right at 9-11 because he was, uh, he lives in West Palm Beach. He was about to fly, or actually he was in the air, to go to the Warren Buffett golf tournament. Uh, Rush Limbaugh hangs in those circles. He doesn't talk to mere mortals. Yeah. So he hangs with Warren Buffett and he hangs with billionaires. And so he was in the air on his way. Uh, in his Gulfstream 4, I might add. Does KFI give you one of those? No. Okay. K no, no. KFI does not. <laughs> we'll talk to Robin about yes, that. Yes. And uh, his contract was insane. And, and deservedly so, because yeah. he was making that much money for the company. And so he's in the air. Uh, the towers are hit. First tower hits. And all of a sudden, it becomes a big, big story, obviously. We're watching it live on TV, talking about it. And by 9 o'clock, or close to 9... I was already on most of the radio stations in Southern California on the iHeart system. It was, mm -hmm. it was Clear Channel in those days. And what ended up happening was the president of Clear Channel said, I want Handle on because Rush was off the air. He had one of his people, I think, from Sacramento filling in. So all of a sudden, I'm doing the Rush so, Limbaugh so show. So Rush Limbaugh did not make the call. He could not. He had, if you remember, so within he, 10 minutes, every single airplane in the United States was grounded. Right, but I'm saying he did not say to Clear Channel, send in Handel. No, he was on the airplane. No one could reach him. Well, the only thing that we knew is that every plane was grounded in the United States, and the FAA through the control towers that you're where, on the ground. Where were you at that very moment? Were I was sitting in the, in the studio? KFI studio, the same one we okay. talked to yeah. or talk in, yeah. and that's where I was sitting. Rush Limbaugh is now landing in the one airport in Georgia that isn't within 200 miles of a clear channel station. Because remember, all you have to do is do a remote. Yeah. You know, if we have to do something here, we just go to the nearest clear channel station. We're an hour drive. He's five hours from anywhere. So he gets a car and starts driving back to West Palm Beach, having listening to me do the Rush Limbaugh show on the biggest broadcast day since probably Pearl Harbor or the assassination of John F. Kennedy. How do you think he felt about that? Uh, he wasn't a happy camper. Yeah, <laughs> that's a pretty big yeah, he really, it was. It was in that, and uh, it's, it's tough to miss that in the first place. Sure. And second of all, it made KFI. With that, 
it uh, the, the station exploded. Did, did you know when you were doing that broadcast that that was something big? Not the news event, but did you know for your career? No, no. I mean, was, what were you thinking at the time? I was too busy paying attention to the news that was coming in because when a major story like that breaks and you're doing live radio or live television, all of a sudden the news is coming in, different sources. I had producers running around throwing me, this is the latest, this is a quote. We run to news reporters all over. I remember one, uh, someone who used to, did work for us, who uh, doesn't work for us because he's a moron. And he, uh, yeah. so he came in, and we we're commercial free, and he came in and uh, he pointed out 9-11, Right, he goes. It's nine one one, and look at the connection. It's like calling nine one one. Get out of here. Yeah, you're fired. Yeah, yeah. just get. So, yeah. A, Goodbye. Yeah, a lot of that was coming in, and we really didn't know. By the time the second tower hit, then uh, I, we started talking about, it, and then just reaching into historical sure. point. For example, that I think it was nineteen forty five, forty six, forty seven. A bomber flew into the Empire State Building killing 20-some-odd people, and it was uh, just right. uh, the pilot missed and just went right into the Empire State Building. So that was the last major time in New York, started talking about that, pulled out the history, had one of the researchers pull out the history, and just we just went on. I, to, I went on until 1 o'clock. 1 o'clock p.m.? P.m., our time. Okay, so when you signed off the air at that point, did you realize my career just... No, no. No, you didn't no. think that. Had no idea. Had no idea. The only thing... Did Marjorie know? Marjorie's uh, his wife. You know, I don't think so. And I've never asked her because I don't care what she thinks. Okay, yeah. Uh, <laughs> because we've been married for a very I'm long just, what, time. What, what I'm, I'm trying to figure... Like, was, that, was that a turning... Another turning point? I mean, your first turning point was that guy's the program right. director yeah. saying you want to do this. Uh, and by the way, was that Harvey Levin's of TMZ's spot before you took over? Uh, no, Harvey Levin, I think, was ever – I don't remember if he was on KBC. He okay. was on uh, 710, I think it was KMPC in those days, and uh, he – I think maybe he was at KBC okay. for a period of time. But different, different. You took over somebody different. I didn't take over anybody's show. I just started doing Handle on the Law. They just gave me a Saturday show and said, oh, here you go. Okay. They didn't have a legal show before oh, that. I see, I see. Okay. So it was something that just, they just created. And by the way, I'm kidding about my wife, Marjorie, because I have to see her later on today, and I really do she care. She is the best. Yeah, she is wonderful. But I didn't know. No, you don't think in terms of career. I mean, I didn't. The only time I knew that we uh, had, uh, that it was solid, is I had signed a contract, and I was in the middle of another change uh, in the contract. And it was, um, the way it worked in those days was ranking. So if I was number 10 in the market, I'd get X number of dollars bonus. If yeah. I was number nine, I'd get that much money. Number eight, I'd get this. If I hit number five in the market, I'd get that plus another figure and all the way to number one. Of course, I, right. I'm never going to reach number one. And they, they, it was a throwaway. They didn't care because we were already 15 or 18 in the market. Well, all of a sudden, we go to number one. Yeah. Yeah. And now uh, they start looking at the contract. Well, the last contract I had signed was in the middle of when a Clear Channel was buying KFI from another radio station uh, group that had bought it from another radio group, and my agent put in the word cumulative. Oh, really? Yes, and no good one a, good agent, and no one caught really that, good agent. and no one caught <laughs> yeah. that. So it was ten plus nine plus eight plus seven plus six plus five, That's great. with the extra bonus all the way to number one. Add all of that up. And we were talking about buckets and 
buckets of money. That's when they realized the show was really good, and that's when I realized the show was really good. And by the way, uh, they said, come on, Bill. Yeah, no, you, you can't do this. You know, it's, this is so unfair. You know you don't deserve this. And then I, I'll never forget. that You didn't well, deserve and, this. Well, because it was, it, it was not something that was really negotiated. It's the word cumulative that was thrown in. It was a last minute. Let's just throw Deal's in the word. Sorry, uh, you know what? That's what I said. Yeah. Because I remember saying to my program director, hey, you know what? It's been a while since I practiced law. But if I remember. Uh, <laughs> Contracts are binding. Yeah, if I remember, <laughs> yeah, like the first day of contract law, if you sign it, you're screwed. <laughs> anyway, I, we, I tore up the contract. You did. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, it's, uh, it's, it wasn't fair. Okay, this is what's interesting to me about, about you as I've gotten to know you. And for those of you who are just turning in, tuning in, they, it, the, uh, the other production uh, folks on Bill's show say that we have a bromance. I suppose that's true. But what, what I... Too much teeth. What, what, yeah. <laughs> Look at it. It's just too yeah, uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> this, again, we're on... Yeah, uh, prefer, this is the internet. We you, can do this. Bill prefers more gum. Yeah. <laughs> more <laughs> Nicely gum. said. Yeah. Yes. But, uh, but, but here's what's interesting to me. Uh, is you're in such a cutthroat business. At least I think it is. Very cutthroat. Where... You're number one today. If oh, absolutely. No, if you're not number one, you're yesterday's news. Everybody's crawling on top of one another because even though somebody's your friend, they want your spot, right? You're, but through it all, that was a moment where contracts the contract. I feel like anybody else would have said, sorry, guys, I can't help that I'm number one and that was my contract. But you, you're the nice guy. Why? A couple of reasons. First of all, because the intent was not there. And there was an implied intent, and that just was slipped through. The other reason, probably the, the, the more important reason, is when I was talking to the powers that be, they said, yeah, you're right. Uh, I guess we have to pay your money, but we have to make it up someplace. And there are going to be a lot of people going to lose their jobs. Oh, they said oh, that. Oh, they too. absolutely said that. And I, oh, wow. I thought they were jerking me around. And I went to my agent, and he said, yeah, yeah, people are going to lose their jobs. So th oh, at that point, it became wow. no issue. Now, if I could limit it to the people that I wanted yeah, to lose yeah, their jobs, that, that would have been a whole yeah. different story. Yeah. So, uh, and, it, and it was only fair to tear it up. And they were still, and they were very generous, by the way. Uh, what they did is I tore up the contract, and all we did was strike out the word uh, cumulative. Uh, Cumulative. Yes, Cuba. Thank uh, you very much. I feel like that's one of those handle great moments yeah, in broadcasting. Yes, cumulative, yeah. and just to remove that effectively. And they gave me a, a very nice thank you uh, that I probably yeah. would have gotten a lot more, but right. it was it still worked out fine. And you looked at the lo you wanted longevity with the station. No, actually, but I you, was you, you I wanted the money. Right. No, I would have gotten. <laughs> yeah. No, I would have yeah. gone what for did, the money. What did your family have to say about uh, this benevolent decision? Yeah, it's just, just to uh, this to this day <laughs> to this day I don't know. Uh, but, you know, in, in terms of the doggy, doggy, dog eat dogginess of it, it really isn't that bad uh, because everybody knows the position everybody is in. It, there's no secret in, in radio, and you're going to find this out. If you have the numbers, no one can touch you, and you can say and do anything you want, and you're there and, and staying That's there. That's why you've been able to survive right. ascending yeah, every everybody. single creed. And if you don't have the numbers, there's nothing you can do to save your job. Mm -hmm. And so 
it's not a question of people going after me or my job or John and Ken. As long as the numbers stay there, we're untouchable. Now, the second the numbers start going down, it's not a question of going after us. It's going to our program director, Robin, and starting to bribe her and yeah. saying, yeah. you know, I want it and do a pitch. It's almost as if, let's say my numbers start going down and they start pitching or people start pitching for the show. I don't even exist at that point. It's between programming and them. So I guess to the extent that that is uh, a dog-eat-dog -dog world, yeah. But you'll find this. Now, let me tell you, you'll find this out when people start going after your job and you go to the powers. Oh, I mean, I, but Bill, in the business of politics. Oh, that's right. That's I mean, really it is, vicious. It is nasty. That is. And you'll never know who's undercutting you or why they're on it because there's big money in lots of different pots, and it's all about money. Yeah, no, it's all I know. about access to power. And by the way, qualifications – there's no easy rating system to go, oh, That's this right. guy's it's number only one. A, it's only a success or yeah, not a success. Me, exactly. Or, or, yeah. your, or your last win, even though you lost the last 30 races, you point to that last yeah. win and go, well, I'm the greatest. No, and I know how that is really dog-eat-dog, dog and you go after. Yeah. For example, uh, you know, there's someone I know uh, who happens to be in the political world. You've asked me a bunch of time to go to him and have him dump his strategist yeah. and get hired oh, yeah. instead. I mean, that's just, there's no I'm issue. <laughs> but the difference is I am number one. Yeah, that's I am true. the best. Yeah. <laughs> At least I like to think so. No, no, and you have, no, you have the numbers to prove it. Right. What uh, is interesting in your field, which I didn't know, is you could be number 18 or 20 or be at the bottom of the barrel and still walk in and go, I'm number yeah. one, and get hired. Happens you all the time. You can't do that in right. radio, not when you have the objective the, numbers. The rating system. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, uh, last question, then I'm going to let you go here. Uh, you were not a big fan of Trump. But you weren't a big fan of Hillary either in, in the election. You made no bones about that. Now that Trump is the president-elect, it looks like this recount thing is a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, completely. Um, and we'll get into it later about why it's bullshit. But what does Trump have to do for you to become a believer? Well, first of all, he'd have to prove to me that there were millions and millions of illegal votes that's well, that's for starters. Well, 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 forget the election. I'm saying okay. become a believer going. He's I know you say he's your president, just like every American Absolutely. should. But but what at what point is it that you go, this I think, guy's a good president. I he's think a really good he, president. And he has a shot of doing it. He has the best shot of anybody I know to hit it because, first of all, he's got a clean slate. As we know, he owes nobody anything, and it's what he wants to do. I'm not thrilled with his picks. Uh, but, uh, again, I don't know what kind of picks that uh, – what they're going to do because, for example, Obama choosing a secretary of state meant nothing because he was a secretary right. of state. Right. Same thing with Richard Nixon. He could have picked Bozo the Clown, and it wouldn't have made yeah, any difference because he – right, he was a secretary, the secretary of state. Exactly. So we don't know how far Trump's going to go. But it's going to be, as you said earlier, bringing home the real jobs, which I think is going to be very, very tricky to do because the quality of the jobs well, are going to be very – I mean you, you said this many times. We've debated it. But the fact is we're, we're, we're not a manufacturing economy anymore. Right. I mean maybe we can manufacture something new. But you're right. The challenge of bringing jobs back Huge. and not the thousand here, thousand right. there, that's great for optics. I don't even know if he can do that because the world has changed so much. But what he can do when he's asked that he has asked uh, been, and he wants to do is renegotiate our deals. China, for example, he's absolutely right. It's brutal how China is screwing us in terms of the dumping, in terms of the tariffs, in terms of the manipulation of its currency. It's ridiculous. And Obama has just sat on his ass and eaten Chinese food and opened those Chinese fortune cookies as he's talking to those guys. Just took it in the shorts. 
Uh, I think Trump has a, has a real chance of undoing that one. And frankly, nobody knows. What I love about this is all the world you leaders are, are scared to death. Which is, they don't know, which is great. It's a great place to start. You know, Bill, it's interesting because I think sometimes what makes a good president is, is whether or not you don't know where they're going to land. You don't know how crazy they really are because it, it allows you to carry a big stick. Do you like that part about Trump or does that scare you? Um, you know, I'm enjoying it more because uh, it's, good first, for talk radio. it's great yeah. for talk radio. And you look back in history where you have accidental presidents, not that Trump is an accidental. I mean, he was legitimately elected, but accidental in the, in yeah. the big picture. Uh, no one would have thought. Yeah, the establishment right. it was, yeah, exactly. Time, but, you yeah. know, Harry Truman, who everybody thought was horrible, turned out to be history is going to be very kind to Harry Truman. Right. Uh, an accidental president is in those days. Everybody was accidental. Abraham Lincoln, yeah. a man that was totally unqualified to be president. Uh, that somehow right place, right time, right place, right, right, and, right, and right the time. best thing that ever happened to this country. You know, if Trump was listening and he just heard you compare him to Abraham Lincoln, it'd be pretty flattering. He would actually say he's better than <laughs> Abraham Lincoln. He's better looking. Yes, bigger is, hands, has more yeah. money, <laughs> and yeah, right. uh, yeah, would have a better beard if he grew exactly. one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he doesn't like people who were shot in the head. Yeah, he likes people who live. Yeah, if he now yeah. if he was a real president, he <laughs> would have survived. He wouldn't have gotten shot in the head. Yeah. He would have finished so, out the so second are you, term. Are you? Give me a percentage. What percentage chance do you think Trump has to be a good president? I think fifty-fifty. I think 50-50. He's got, a, he's got a shot at it. He's a very smart man. Uh, he, there's a lot of things about him that are just weird. For example, this fantasy he has that somehow he's not going to be putting everything in a blind, selling off and putting in a blind trust. I think even he realizes now the conflict or the appearance of That doesn't, that doesn't look good. Yeah, and, he can, and there are certain times when you can say, screw you, I'm Donald Trump. I don't know if he can do that with this. this well, and I, and I think the press, rightfully so, will feast on him over the next four years, digging up the conflicts and figuring out business deals in different countries and trying to tether it to government action, whether it was intentional yeah. or not. I think it's just it's a it's scandals and controversy that he doesn't need to have over the next four years because he'll have plenty on his own. Uh, well, not so we'll much see. scandals. I mean, I'm well, not necessarily scandals. He'll be just because of who yeah. he is. Yeah. And uh, I love it already. How many how many conventions have already been booked at Trump Tower and uh, oh, sure. at Trump hotels in Washington D.C. Sure. and and does he hand a card? For example, when uh, uh, Abe, uh, Prime Minister Abe, came in to meet him and Ivanka, his daughter, is it Abe or it's, Abe? It's honest. Abe. Okay, good. <laughs> it's Abe. I've heard Abe. Yeah, it's not Abe. Okay, it's a, yeah, they don't have a lot of Abe's in okay. uh, Japan okay. uh, where he's handed a card and he goes, here, here's a discount if you book <laughs> your next event at Trump. You want your diplomatic yeah. deal sped up? Yeah. Here, uh, yeah. yeah. So I think it's a good shot. I think it's a decent shot at it. I'm very excited about it. Well, actually. as apoplectic as you were, and many Americans were. Oh, totally apoplectic. I mean, Bill, the week or two before, I remember I called you up. Two weeks out, I, cha I changed my mind. I thought I pegged it wrong until two weeks out. I said, he's not going to win. Two weeks out, I called you going, there's something moving in these numbers. Holy smokes, he's got big momentum. Actually, you said, that, holy shit. I think I did say, holy shit. <laughs> yes. yeah. and, and, you, and then at that point, you started calling me daily going, oh, he doesn't deserve it. What if he presses the button and he yeah. nukes us all? You seem to. Well, I didn't say he was going to nuke us all. Okay. I mean, that's if Kim Jong Un is not pressing the yeah. button, uh, then Donald Trump is certainly yeah, not right. going to press the button. But it's it's true. I mean, it's. He, here's to me what's remarkable, and I think 
I was hopeful that this is who he was, but I wasn't sure. He's an actor. He plays to his audience. When he's in a campaign and he needs to get ratings or votes, he says what he thinks he needs to say to get that constituency, even though he, to his core, I think is more, um, I think, moderate on the social issues. But so, so governing is a different thing for him. And I that's the question I'm asked. Trump. Playing to an audience and sitting behind the desk and making a presidential decision is a very different animal. Yeah. And we don't know what that's going to mean as he becomes a president. Right. And it's uh, – we're in for a ride. Yeah, I was going to say, your business is going to be great. You're yeah. going to be number one. Robin's going to be thrilled for the next four years. Uh, well, At least hope, about her business. Hope be, I don't know about it. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, it's going to be a hey, lot of fun. For, and we'll be talking. My pleasure. Thank you for being with hey, us on our first show. Congratulations you, you, on this. You popped our cherry. Is that – did I just say that? <laughs> Do you, do you love the Internet? <laughs> do great. you, you love the Internet? Anything. Matter of fact, Robin, our program director, is over there watching this. I heard a... <gasps> uh, no, you didn't. She loves this when uh, we're not on the air. Yeah. Uh, she got, uh, Robin, you were a little bit uncomfortable when I looked at him, uh, and I said, that's quite a fruit package you have. Yeah. yeah she... well, the, Robin wasn't the only one. Yeah. <laughs> Your daughter... Uh, yeah. yeah, that was a little more personal. Yeah, my daughter, who was sitting next to me, got very upset. Uh, yeah, understandable. Be quiet, Dad. All right. All right. It's my show. Get anyway, yeah, here. take care. <laughs> Thanks. Congratulations. Thanks. All right. All right, All right. Uh, Bill Handel, everybody. Thank you to Bill. Uh, thank you to KFI. And uh, one more quick plug about the Postathon. If you haven't gone and donated, please do that. Postathon.com. Is it the Postathon or Postathon? Oh, pastathon.com. Go do that. Please, every little bit helps. Um, boy, Bill, uh, Bill and Marjorie, his wife, were very kind to give us that time. All right, moving along. Um, so one thing I want to talk about is in this program, we obviously want to do local, we want to do national, but really international. And so uh, just briefly, because I think that interview ran a little bit long, I, I do want to talk about what I think Trump's first international move is going to be. Um, this is one of the, we're going to do hashtag John's crystal ball. Um, this is going to be my prediction. I think his first international move on day one is going to be he is going to shred the Iran nuclear deal. That's going to be his first move. Uh, and where he goes from there is the big question. Does he uh, not make any new deal or does he somehow take pull money back that he gave, that Obama gave to Iran? Or does he, look, here's what I love about Donald Trump, which is so fascinating, is he understands leverage. He understands cutting deals. And he's a hard ass. I mean, a lot of the critiques in the, in the election were that he stiffs vendors for, sh for shady work and whatnot. He's unafraid to go back on a contract, to renegotiate a deal, use leverage, anchor himself. I think that's what he's going to do with Iran because... I think most folks recognize that the Iran nuclear deal is one of the worst, most dangerous foreign policy documents that we've seen, at least in my lifetime. The fact that the Iranians are allowed to spin centrifuges, that means they will get nuclear weapons. Well, the Obama administration says, well, not today. Well, of course not today. They couldn't produce nuclear weapons today if they wanted, but they have to start spinning centrifuges. Uh, highly dangerous. Um, it looks like Trump understands that. I think he's going to tear that deal up. Where we go from there, I think, is anybody's guess. Um, but I think that's going to be his first 
first move. All right, moving on to our next segment, let's go to, we're going to do kind of a, what I like to call a what's trending segment, um, what people are talking about. So I'm, let's talk sports. I'm not self, admittedly, I'm not like a sports junkie, but I do look, I like watching the Super Bowl, maybe more for the ads than the game, but I do, I do watch sports. I love going to live sporting events, but today I want to talk about, let's see if I can pull it up. Um, the NFL, they are in a world of hurt. Uh, just like Bill and I were talking about NFL at the end of the day, it's all about TV ratings and it's big business. I think Roger Goodell, the chair, uh, CEO of the NFL, makes over 30 million bucks a year to do one thing. That is to deliver TV ratings. That's it. He doesn't care who's winning, who's losing, as long as people are watching. The problem is the NFL's ratings have gone down dramatically. Now, why? Why? I've got a theory on it. I think the Kaepernick story has single-handedly undermined the NFL franchise with their core constituency, which is the Donald Trump voter. The average American, the white male who watches sports, loves sports, but loves the NFL for a different reason than a golf watcher watches golf. They love the NFL because it's American. It's uniquely American. And we love the game as much as we like the halftime show, as much as we like singing, the ple- uh, uh, singing or having someone sing the national anthem, saying the Pledge of Allegiance, honoring our military heroes, watching the flybys. That's why we love a, a, a football, because we can drink beer. We can do things that are just iconically American. And the Kaepernick story is such a big deal, not because, to me, about what Kaepernick has said. It's about what the NFL franchise hasn't done. They haven't censured him. They haven't taken him out of the league. They haven't made official statements um, basically disavowing his comments. And I think that's rubbed the viewer the wrong way. Now, I think the league was in denial about what's happening to their ratings and why the decline, but it's reaching a tipping point because after Donald Trump won, I think people are putting two and two together that maybe Americans are frustrated that we're losing our sense of America. And mark my words, this is another John's crystal ball moment. The NFL, I think, is going to take strong and swift action in the next two to three weeks against Kaepernick because if they don't, if they don't put rules in place, their viewers may never return and it will spell the end of the franchise. Um, so that's what they have to do. This is a major problem for them. And look, I hate to say that everything's political, but everything's political. And these networks have to be sensitive to that. Um, okay, next, next subject. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Great. Yeah, what are we doing? Um, all right. Uh, first of all, thanks for the feedback. Uh, your default go-to is Thomas Guide. Uh, let's see. It's uh, thomasguideshow.com. That'll be where you can get subscribed to the podcast. You can look at all of our social media. This is what's so special about this podcast. It's never been done before in a general talk, political news podcast. Uh, we're going to do Facebook live streaming, and I can't wait to unveil our home base studio, our base camp. It is really slick, professional. With 
when we're talking about the news, we're going to roll the clips like a TV show on screen. So you'll be able to watch at least the first half of the show on Facebook Live. So always catch us on our Facebook page. You can find on from the uh, thomasguideshow.com. But also uh, go to my Twitter uh, whenever you can. Because that's how you're going to interact with me. Uh, the, it's at the Thomas guy, and you can tweet us. So that's how you kind of keep in the loop. You can also sign up for our email newsletter. KFI is going to blast it out promoting us. And you're going to find me hopping across the KFI network. And one thing we're going to do on our Facebook and social media is I do a lot of punditry work, and not just at KFI. I do it for Fox News. I do it for CNN, where they dogpile me as the Republican, typically. Um, I'm on local Fox. I'm, I'm all over once or twice a day. We're always going to post our clips so you can see me, you can, and then we can talk about it if you want on the next, on the next segment. So this is a podcast. You can always listen to it. It's going to be about an hour long each week, every Thursday at 1 p.m. is when we go live. And then, of course, the podcast gets posted up and lives on forever. It's free. It will always be free. Just be clear. So please uh, sign up for the podcast so it gets pushed to you with the, with the updates. Um, but we want to hear your feedback. Uh, was there anything else, Helene, before I move on? Sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. You want to subscribe on iTunes. Um, it's, it's The Thomas Guide. Uh, so go to, go to iTunes. You can s- subscribe. Um, anyway, that's, that's the gist of the program. There's, we're going to be unveiling more, more bells and whistles as the show progresses. But, uh, you know, this is our first show, although it's remote, and I, I'm sure you can tell. I don't think you can see the gold columns in here, but uh, this is not our normal studio. So um, was there anything else before I go on? About the aliens. Yeah. All right. The aliens. Okay. And make sure to if, answer if you want our, our poll question of the day, uh, which is for Secretary of State Romney or not Romney. Uh, let us know. And Pelosi or not Pelosi, if you like her or you don't or you thought she was a good choice, please let us know and why. And we'll read them live on the air. All right. This story I love. Can't believe it's actually a story, but it's interesting. So. One thing you need to know about me is I'm a fitness addict. I'm a workaholic. I work at least 18-hour days, but when I'm not working, I love to work out. Um, CrossFit is my particularly cho- uh, particular choice of punishment. I've been doing it now for at least five years. Uh, I compete in competitions kind of all over Southern California. When I'm traveling for work to different clients in different states, different campaigns, I will not miss jumping into a box Look, this show wouldn't be my show if we didn't do some CrossFit talk and some fitness talk. So we're going to start it off with the latest fitness craze that's coming here to the United States is naked exercise. Yeah, you heard me. Work it out, butt naked. Now, I've got a couple thoughts on this. Number one, when you're doing CrossFit, it's not an attractive look typically because you are straining you are grunting we 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 have this joke in crossfit's called deadlift face when you're doing the deadlift motion picking the barbell up from the ground the strain and the pain is like no no one should have to see that face normally but that face combined with somebody naked is just not attractive okay so no one should have to see that unattractive face but the other thing is just logistically you know, naked exercise, there are biking enthusiasts, like 
bicycles who are going on group bike rides where a hundred people will go out for a ride butt-ass naked. Now, not forget the visual side of it. How does that work if you're a guy on the bike seat and you're flopping around? I just, what happens if you fall? Because people do fall. What happens to your nuts? I, I don't know. Um, I hope it's a trend that doesn't continue, but according to the article, naked exercise, the biggest benefit is that you can be comfortable in your own skin. It's a self-confidence booster. Um, <sighs> look, if you need self-confidence by to work out naked, you got bigger problems. Uh, let's <laughs> like pick up a hobby, uh, maybe get a new haircut, but keep the clothing on, all right? It's just, uh, it's gross. And look, I can tell you this from the Thomas, on behalf of the Thomas Guide, when we find out about a naked event in LA, we will send one of our staff members to go do a Facebook Live of the naked exercise. Not it. No, not it. Helene's like, Roy? Yeah. All right, you got this one. All right. I hope you're, you're probably going to see things you can't unsee at those events. So uh, anyway, uh, naked exercise beyond me. Um, do, we, do we have any tweets? Wow. I mean, I, I, that's an interesting perspective. I, I think that's right. I, I, for those of you who couldn't hear, um, I mean, essentially the take of uh, this person hates Nancy Pelosi um, because it's essentially the, all they do is play identity politics. And, you know, it's, it, it's interesting. Identity politics from the outset, it looks like it might work when the demographic makeup of the electorate is in your favor. And everybody said Trump couldn't win because, look, and, and, and I understand this theory. If you look at the demographics of those who are voting, it, it looks far more brown. It looks a lot less white than it ever did prior to 2016. And so if you just look at a math, then you'll look, if I, if I flare up uh, play to the race card in identity politics, that should get me across the way. And that works when it's just about base mobilization. But when you have to build a bigger tent to... Uh, to address Americans' concerns, and quite frankly, when there are more important issues than race. Um, I always tell people that if the economy is doing great, we can talk about hope and change and, and uh, bathrooms and social issues, but until we've solved the economic plight that, that, is so, that, that ails so many of our citizens, nothing else matters. I even make that argument, I always make that argument on the, on, the, on the right to Republicans saying, why are we not just focusing on the economy and the fiscal issues? We can argue about social issues later, but let's, we win on fiscal issues. Even, you know, look, as a millennial myself, I live in California, I work all over the country, but I born and raised in California. Uh, spent some time in Texas and elsewhere. But there are so many millennial Democrats that I know that go, well, <laughs> I'm a fiscal conservative and I'm, and I'm socially liberal. And if Republicans branded themselves just on the fiscal side, we'd have a good chance at getting more millennials to come on board. So I think you're right. Pelosi is of the old school identity uh, politics playbook and against a Trump presidency who might actually move the needle on the economic front, that's a losing combination for her. Natasha Johnson, she's a, a bargain shopper. She asks, 
maybe you could do a show about how to get into political office, something for us people who can't afford you to be our campaign manager. And she gave us a shout out. She loves the first show. Oh, thanks, Natasha. I think I know you from Twitter. Um, first of all, thanks so much for the comment. That's actually a hell of an idea. Um, we will do that. I will put together maybe a top five steps of what you've got to do to run for office. Um, I mean, they're, they're, they're actually are, it's just, it's fairly simple to get ready to run for office. And I can break down in a future episode about which office to run for, because that's really the key here is finding the right fit and the right selection for you in, in, in your location. So that's, a, that's a great idea. That will be a future show. Thank you for the feedback. Anything else before I move on? Um, you know, we've got a lot of love. A lot of the listeners okay. are saying that they loved uh, Bill, the Bill Handel interview. Yeah. And they're, they're looking forward to future shows. And cool. Cool. All right. Well, I'd like to cover uh, one last topic before we wrap up. Uh, so this is quasi-political, quasi-pop culture. Kanye West, Yeezy, is still in the hospital. There are a lot of theories. Oh, is he out? Oh, he got out today. All right. Well, up until the point that he was out, they were saying um, he had, you know, mental mental challenges, et cetera, et cetera. But really, he was suffering from severe dehydration. That's bullshit, okay? Every time you hear a publicist or a celebrity say it's dehydration, it's not dehydration. If it were dehydration, they'd go drink a Powerade. It's like when Hillary Clinton uh, fainted at the 9-11 event, they ushered her off to, Hill, to Chelsea's apartment, and then she came out, did the little strut, and then went back in. They said, oh, she was just suffering from severe dehydration. No, that's not true. It's a, ma it's a public relations mask for a bigger problem. In Kanye West, I don't know. He could be having drug issues, uh, far, but he's got far deeper problems than dehydration. And this, and another John's crystal ball, this will not be his last time in the hospital. He's going back, and I hope he gets treatment for whatever he is really ailing him, and it's not drinking down water. All right. So that's our show. We made it. Our inaugural show. Thank you so much to Helene, our producer, Roy, our, our VJ board op. Rick, our, our guru who got us through on Facebook Live. I don't know how you pulled that off on remote. Thank you, guys. Thank you to all of the listeners and the viewers. Thank you for the feedback. Uh, again, let me just plug where you can find us. You can find us on my, on my Twitter, uh, at the Thomas Guide on Twitter, or you can go to our, our website, Thomas, uh, thomasguideshow.com. That'll take you to Facebook. We're going to do this every Thursday at 1 o'clock. Please subscribe. Please share, tell all your friends. And if you've got feedback for us, shoot us a note, please. Uh, like Natasha's suggestion was awesome. So, look, I think this is going to be the start of something fun, something great. We've got incredible guests lined up that I'm not ready to announce, but you're going to love them, both big names in the political world, but also big names in the pop culture world. So thanks so much. Uh, John Thomas here signing off for The Thomas Guide.